Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and in part one of this episode, I'll be reviewing the two rearranged games from J2 Matchday 21 that were played on Wednesday the 28th of June, then five of the games from Matchday 23. Next, John Steele has the remaining six games from the weekend and a preview of Matchday 24. Then in part three, Mike Innes takes you through another entertaining round of J3 fixtures in JTalk Short Corner. Let's get on with it then. And there was a surprise win for Akita away to Shimizu S-Pulse on Wednesday night. As usual, Shimizu dominated possession, but Keita Saito scored for Akita three minutes into the second half. He took advantage of two Shimizu defenders getting in a tangle, turned and shot past Shuichi Gonda from 12 yards. Benjamin Kololi volleyed over from 8 yards in the 58th minute. Akita keeper Kentaro Kakoi saved from Thiago Santana in the 74th and again from Ryohei Shirasaki a minute later, and then again from Santana in the 86th minute. Kengo Kitazune hit the post in stoppage time, and eventually Kakoi smothered a ball from a scramble as Akita held on for the 1-0 win. The other Wednesday night game saw two playoff contenders meet at the Yamaha Stadium, as Jubilo Iwata hosted Vanfare Kofu. The visitors took the lead in the 32nd minute. A poor pass out of the Iwata defence ceded possession, Yoshiaki Torikai advanced to the edge of the area and passed to Koya Hayashida, who shaped as if to trap the ball and turn, but instead pivoted and hit the ball first time with his right, across the keeper and into the bottom corner. Iwata equalised a minute into the second half. Iwata keeper Ryuki Miura saved excellently from a Kofu attack, and as Iwata looked to counter, they earned a free kick in midfield. It was taken quickly, and a long through pass somehow found its way between Kofu goalie Kohei Kawata and defender Sode Hasukawa, presenting Iwata's Fabian Gonzalez with an open goal. Final score, 1-0. On to round 23 then, and we have to begin at the Gion Stadium, where bottom of the table Ormia Ardija put up quite a fight against their hosts, top of the table Machida Zelvia. Seiya Nakano gave the strugglers from Saitama a surprise early lead when he turned in from close range in the 7th minute, and that seemed to spur Machida into action, as the rest of the game was largely Ormia defending desperately. Further surprise in the 36th minute, when Masaya Shibayama's shot on the counter-attack got through William Pop to make it 2-0. Three minutes later, Eric scored under pressure from the edge of the area to half the deficit, 2-1 to Omiya at half-time. They couldn't hold on, could they? They almost did, as Machida near-miss followed Machida near-miss, but a stroke of luck for the league leaders levelled the scores in the 79th minute, a shot that bounced off Eric's stomach and in. And then, in the 88th minute, the comeback was complete. Shota Fujio scoring from Mitchell Duke's pass. 3-2 to Machida, who are seven points clear at the top of J2. Heartbreak for Omiya, who paid the price for offering so little in attack for much of the game. They are ten points from safety. There was another five-goal thriller at Nihondaira, between Shimizu Espulse and Vivar and Nagasaki. Carlinhos Jr. opened the scoring for Espulse in the 14th minute with a left-footed shot into the top corner. Takashi Inui made it two on 27 minutes. A corner was headed on to him, standing completely alone at the back post. 2-0 at half-time, but Nagasaki had been scoring a lot lately, and so they pulled one back on the hour. Neat footwork from Yuya Kuasaki on the edge of the area found Juanma Delgado, and he smashed a shot into the top corner for 15 yards. And seven minutes later, Nagasaki were level. A 1-2 between Takashi Sawada and Juanma saw the former surge into the box and score. With 80 minutes on the clock, Nagasaki's Go Hatano made a superb double save to keep the scores level and another save a minute later from Kengo Kitazume. The winning goal came in the first minute of stoppage time. Takashi Inui's miscued shot hit Thiago Santana and bounced back off the bar, 
when Koya Kitagawa was waiting to knock it in from a yard with Hatano unable to do anything. It finished Shimizu 3, Nagasaki 2, a result that sees Shimizu stay 7th and Nagasaki drop 1 place to 5th. Jeff United Chiba scored a late goal for the second game in a row and this time it earned them all 3 points at home to Vanfare Kofu. Jeff had the early pressure and chances and Masaru Hidaka and Tomoyamiki both hit the post. In the 23rd minute, Jeff rewarded a penalty for handball. Correct call, but unfortunate for the sliding defender. Kofu keeper Kohe Kawata dived to his right and tipped Miki's penalty onto the post and away for a corner. And then in typical Jeff fashion, it was Kofu who scored first. A high ball was poked on to Jumma Miyazaki on the edge of the area with no one near him and his shot nutmegged Shota Arai and evaded Daisuke Suzuki. 1-0 to Kofu with 28 minutes played. Jeff equalised immediately. A good passing move led to Hiro Komori scoring his 8th goal of the season. Miyazaki saw a shot deflected onto the post on 60 minutes and later Arai punched away a long-range effort from Masahiro Sekiguchi. But Jeff got the winner in the first minute of stoppage time. Suzuki and Miki teamed up to win the ball on the halfway line and Miki hit a long high pass across to substitute Ryuta Shinmo, who controlled it with his right, pushed it past the backtracking defenders with his left and scored. 2-1 to Jeff, their 15th, Kofu stay 6th. Tochiki SC moved above Zuegen Kanazawa with a 1-0 win over their hosts in Ishikawa. Kou Miyazaki got the goal, side-footing in a low cross from 10 yards in the 10th minute. Tochiki could have been up by several at half-time as they hit the post twice and attacked at will. Kanazawa, on the other hand, managed no shots on or off target in the opening 45 minutes. The home side improved slightly after the introduction of Masamichi Hayashi, but they couldn't find an equaliser and find themselves in 18th just two points clear of relegation, with pre-season talk of a push for the playoffs looking more deluded with each passing game. Tochigi are 17th, a point ahead of Kanazawa and unbeaten in three. Lastly from me, Jubilo Iwata and Oita Trinita drew one all. Oita went in front three minutes before half-time. Yusuke Matsuo ran onto a long ball on the right wing, saw that keeper Ryuki Mura was backpedalling after changing his mind about coming for the ball and lobbed him from a tight angle. Iwata came into the game and got the leveller in the 64th minute, Yuto Suzuki finishing a 1-2 with Dudu, the shot squirming under Oita keeper Konosuke Nishikawa. Oita dropped one position to third, Iwata rise one spot to fourth. Incidentally, both these teams' last five games are three wins followed by two draws. Oita are unbeaten in seven, Iwata unbeaten in six. That's all from me, now here's John with the rest of the weekend's action. Thanks, James. Hi, everyone. John Steele here to round up the rest of the weekend J2 action from round 23. And Tokyo Verdi are up into the automatic promotion places in second after their seventh away win in a row, this time 1-0 away at Roasso Kumamoto. The vital goal came in just the second minute at Egao Kenko Stadium after some early pressure on the edge of the Kumamoto penalty area. Kazuya Miyahara put in a cross from the Verdi right. Daiki Fukazawa headed back across goal and Kosuke Saito was on hand to hook the ball into the net from close range. Kumamoto had two good chances to equalise in the first half and they both fell to Shohei Aihara. First of all, he side-footed wide from close range and then he headed off target at the far post. In the second half, Kumamoto keeper Ryuga Tashiro had to make a good block from Fukazawa that prevented Verdi from doubling their lead. 
And then in the last minute of second half stoppage time, Tashiro was involved at the other end. He came up for a last gasp Kumamoto corner and managed to get a pretty good header on target. Unfortunately for the home side, it was saved by uh, his opposite number, Matthias, in the Verdi goal. So the final score was Kumamoto nil, Tokyo Verdi 1. Verdi seven points behind the leaders Machida and one ahead of third placed Oita. Fagiano Okayama are 8th after a hard-fought 1-0 win over lowly Mito Hollyhock at City Light Stadium. Okayama went close to opening the scoring early on when Yasutaka Yanagi headed a corner from Ryosuke Kawano against the post. But a Kawano corner did lead to the only goal of the game in the 24th minute. Kodai Sano put in a shot that was only half cleared. And when the ball ran loose on the edge of the penalty area, Ryo Tabe put in a low shot that nestled in the bottom corner of the net for Okayama 1, Mito 0. Mito had some half chances uh, in the second period, headers from Takumi Kusumoto and Shimon Teranuma, but Okayama held on to collect their first win in four games. The final score was uh, Okayama 1, Mito 0. Mito a 19th in the table, one of uh, three teams on 24 points. Uh, that's three clear of the relegation zone. Now, the other teams on 24 points with Mito are Kanazawa, who James has discussed already, and Renofa Yamaguchi, who picked up a useful point on the road at 11th placed Fujieda at the weekend. Not a great game this one, very few clear-cut chances. Probably the best one fell to Fujieda goal machine Ryo Watanabe. He found himself clean through on goal uh, at one point in the first half, but a recovering Yamaguchi defender managed to ease him off the ball just about fairly, I think, and uh, Yamaguchi's clean sheet was preserved. It finished Fujieda nil, Yamaguchi nil. Yamaguchi are unbeaten in three matches now. That's one win and two draws. Meanwhile, Fujieda also were travelling well. They've only lost one of their last seven. Hoping to catch up with one of those teams on 24 points are the second bottom side in the table, Iwaki, who scored a 90-second minute penalty to get a point away at Akita at the weekend. Wearing their very fancy summer kit, Akita made a bright start to this game, and Iwate keeper Shuhei Shikano had to make a smart low save from a Kaito Abe snapshot. And the game seemed like it was heading for a nil-nil draw, especially after Iwaki striker Yoshihito Kondo headed wide with about 20 minutes to go. But then Akita took the lead with only about 12 minutes left. A flowing passing move freed Shioniwa down the right flank, and when he put a low cross into the box, Iwaki defender Rei Iizumi missed his kick, and the ball dropped perfectly for Yosuke Mikami to sweep it in from about 12 yards. That gave Akita uh, a late lead. And it looked as though that was going to be enough to win the game for the home side, but disaster struck in the 92nd minute. With the ball bouncing around inside the Akita penalty area, defender Takashi Kawano tried to clear, but Iwaki's Hiroto Iwabuchi managed to get in front of him. Iwabuchi was kicked and went down, and a penalty was awarded. It was scored in some style by Iwabuchi. Uh, he chipped the ball straight down the centre of the goal uh, and into the top of the net. So it finished Akita 1, Iwaki 1 at Soyu Stadium. Iwaki unbeaten in three games now. Uh, that gives them something of a platform to build on for the second half of the season. They are three points adrift of safety at the moment. Akita, meanwhile, a 13th. They're six points off the playoff zone and 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Up at ND Soft Stadium, 
the Michinoku Derby ended in glory for Montedio Yamagata, uh, who are now ninth in the table and uh, five points off the playoff places. They beat their near neighbours Sendai 4-1, and it was a memorable night for Yoshiki Fujimoto, who scored all four goals for the home side. Right at the start of the game, Sendai went close to opening the scoring, when a curling effort from Hiromu Kamada went just wide of the post. But straight after that, in the fifth minute, Yamagata took the lead after a real howler from Sendai keeper Yuma Obata. He dithered in possession and then played the ball too close to the onrushing Fujimoto, the ball ricocheting off the Yamagata forward and into the net uh, to give the home side the lead. Obata then redeemed himself, at least partially, by making a good save from Wataru Tanaka's chip. Tanaka, a former Sendai midfielder, of course, but it was 2-0 to Yamagata in the 40th minute when Fujimoto had time to turn on the ball inside the penalty area and then slide it low into Obata's bottom right-hand corner. So Yamagata 2-0 up at the break. Right at the start of the second half, Sendai grabbed a lifeline. A thumping header from a corner from Ho Yonjun reduced the deficit to 2-1. Seven minutes after that, though, Yamagata scored again. Uh, a slick passing move released Shintaro Kokubu down the left flank and his low cross into the box was tucked away with a summer plum by Fujimoto, a uh, first-time side-footed effort to complete his hat-trick and make it 3-1. Five minutes after that, with Sendai uh, rocking, Kokubu set up Fujimoto for a fourth goal. He drifted a deep cross to the penalty spot where Fujimoto had peeled away from his marker Masahiro Sugata and Fujimoto then nodded the ball past the advancing Obata to make the final score, Yamagata 4, Sendai 1. Sendai a 12th, which doesn't look too bad, but with three defeats and a draw in their last four matches, pressure is building on their coach, Akira Ito, and a lot of it is coming uh, from a, a hardcore section of uh, Sendai supporters who are very unhappy with how things are going at the moment. But in the Michinoku derby, it was Yamagata 4, Sendai 1 at full time. At Pokari Sweat Stadium, there were no goals. It finished Tokushima nil, Gunma nil, and a draw was probably a fair result from this game. Gunma did nearly win it late on with a header from Hayate Shirowa, but it was well saved at point-blank range by Jose Aurelio Suarez in the Tokushima goal. So a nil-nil draw felt like a fair result from this game. Tokushima nil, Gunma nil. Tokushima are 16th in the table. They have three draws in a row, so it feels like last season all over again. Gunma attend, and uh, they also have three draws in a row, so perhaps uh, no great surprise that it, this game finished uh, in a stalemate. Yeah, Tokushima nil, Gunma nil was the full-time score. Okay, I think James and I have covered all the on-field action from uh, round 23 last weekend. Just time before I hand you over to Mike Innes and the J3 News in J Talk Short Corner to talk about the full midweek round of J2 action, which is coming up this Wednesday night, uh, the 5th of July. There are some absolute bangers uh, on the slate. It's the full round 24 uh, fixture list, 11 games, and they're all kicking off at the same time at 7pm uh, on Wednesday evening. So, first of all, there's a huge game at the Resonac Dome, it's third against first as Oita host Machida. Uh, they don't come much bigger, I don't think. There's also a big game for second place Tokyo Verdi. They'll be hosting fifth place Nagasaki at Ajinomoto. Fourth place Iwata welcome 18th placed Kanazawa to Yamaha Stadium. I uh, don't know how James feels about that one, but I, I can guess. Sixth placed Kofu are also at home on Wednesday night. 13th placed Akita are going to be the visitors to the JIT Recycling Stadium. 
Then, outside the playoff zone, 7th placed Chimizu, visit 12th placed Sendai. Beleaguered Sendai boss Akira Ito could really use 3 points from this one. 8th placed Okayama are at home to 11th placed Fujieda. And Yamagata, who start the day in 9th place, visit the team 3rd bottom of the table, that's Yamaguchi. Speaking of the foot of the table, bottom side Omiya host Jeff Chiba in a game that feels like a must-win for the Squirrels. Jeff are 15th in the table at the moment. The second bottom side, who are in decent form, Iwaki, have a very important-looking home game against Tochigi in round 24. Tochigi, four points and four places ahead of Iwaki in the table at the moment. And in the other games, on Wednesday night, 19th placed Mito are at home to 16th place Tokushima, and 10th place Gunma welcome 14th place Kumamoto to Shoda Stadium. So uh, yeah, some really exciting looking games on the round 24 slate coming up on a Wednesday night. James and I are going to try and review them as best we can for you in a kind of a bonus pod uh, later this week. But that's all from J2 for now, I think. Please stay tuned uh, after a quick uh, musical interlude. Uh, Magic Mike Innes is on deck and he has all of the J3 news from another exciting weekend in the third tier. That's coming up in J Talk Short Corner. J Talk Extra Time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 16 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 17 matches coming up this weekend. There were eight games played on Saturday. The first match of the day being leaders Katane Toyama at home to third-placed Kagoshima United. At a very wet Toyama Stadium, Tsubasa Yoshihira should have given the hosts the lead half an hour in. Gifted possession by Kagoshima keeper Kenta Matsuyama, but Yoshihira put his shot just the wrong side of the post. And although they'd been second best up to this point, it was the away side who broke the deadlock on 56 minutes. Frank Romero queuing up Eiske Watanabe for a 20-yard shot that deflected off defender Ryuya Ohata and flew in. Katare came close to an equaliser nine minutes later, but Matsuyama saved brilliantly from Arthur Silva's header. With eight minutes left, things got much harder for Toyama when Ohata was given a second yellow card for a clumsy foul on Mikuto Fukuda. And in the 87th minute, the deal was sealed. Shunsuke Yamamoto floating across into the home penalty area for the unmarked Fukuda to head in. Final score, Toyama nil, Kagoshima 2. Katare blow the chance to extend their lead over one of their nearest challengers but remain top. The smoking volcanoes stay third, but are now within striking distance. Between Toyama and Kagoshima in the standings are Ehime FC, who came away with a point from their game at Matsumoto Yamaga. Key incident in the first half was around the half-hour mark when a mass brawl broke out following a foul by Ehime veteran Ryota Moriwaki on Yamaga's Yusuke Kikui. Moriwaki and Ben Duncan were booked for the visitors, while for Matsumoto, Kaiga Murakoshi and a member of their coaching staff, Kohei Takeishi, were both shown straight red cards. 
The mighty Mikans made the extra man count 10 minutes into the second half when Tatsuya Yamaguchi sent in a cross from the left-hand side for an unmarked Asahiyada to sweep home. A second in two games for one of J3's unsung stars. But the home side pulled level with 17 minutes to go. Takato Nonomura climbing all over Ehime captain Soda Ogawa to head in Kikui's free kick. Nevertheless, deemed OK by the referee. Both teams pushed for the winner. Both goalkeepers made outstanding saves to keep their sides in the game. Matsumoto's Tomohiko Murayama keeping out a close-range shot from Shunpei Shukahori. Ehime's Shugo Tsuji clawing away Itsuki Enomoto's header. Final score, Matsumoto 1, Ehime 1. For Yamaga, a point under the circumstances, a decent enough result, although they drop to 6th. Ehime embarking on a difficult run of matches and an away draw against a top 6 side is probably acceptable to them too. They stay 3rd. Meanwhile, Ehime's local rivals FC Imabari moved closer to the business end of the table as they handed out a battering at AC Nagano Parseiro. The home defence was in complete disarray in the ninth minute when Takatora Kondo's chipped pass set Dudu on his way, advancing towards goal and confidently chipping Kim Min-ho. That was down the Imabari left. Midway through the first half, they broke down the right, Yuta Mikado taking advantage of more disastrous defending and crossing for Dudu to make it 2-0. It was three on the hour, this time Dudu centering for substitute Sego Take to finish at the far post. And with 20 minutes left, man of the moment Dudu wrapped up his hat-trick, hooking in a clever finish after the Paseiro backline had been unable to deal with Kondo's cross. Final score, Nagano nil, Imabari 4, simply abject from Paseiro, now 6 without a win and down to 13th. Clinical from Dudu, whose Imabari side rise to 4th. Behind Imabari on goal difference are Azul Claro Numazu, who under coach Masashi Nakayama are turning into one of the surprise packages of the season. They left it late at home to Giroansuki Takushu, but claimed a third straight league win, and it's five years since a Numazu side have done that. Nakayama's team didn't get off to the best of starts, poor defending at a corner kick enabling Kota Muramatsu to half-volley Giramatsu into a 15th-minute lead. Unfortunately for Muramatsu, he played a key role in the equaliser just before half-time, slow to block Yuma Mori's deflected high ball into the box, which fell kindly for Noah Kenshin-Brown to volley in his third in three games. Yudai Nagano clipped a free kick against the bar for Kitakyushu in first half stoppage time, but it was one all at the break. The recent improvement of Giramance, five points from the previous three games, has come off the back of a more rigorous focus on defence by Kazuaki Tasaka, but that fell apart in the 90th minute when, from a corner kick, Azul Claro centre-back Tomoki Fujisaki got a free header parried by Daiki Goto and then was able to nod in the rebound unimpeded. Even then, the Sunflowers had a chance to claim a point, Kakeru Sakamoto heading straight at homekeeper Hiromu Musha. 
Final score, Numazu 2, Kitakushu 1. Azul Klano go 5th, and they haven't been this high in the table since the glory days of 2018. Giravance's mini-revival comes to an end, and they stay 2nd bottom. On the basis of recent form, Fukushima United against Nana Club might have been expected to peter out into the most goalless of goalless draws, but instead it turned out to provide the biggest win of the weekend. On 15 minutes, Fukushima defender Satoru Nozue failed to cut out a through pass, enabling Megumu Nishida to get in across for Hayato Asakawa, who finished neatly at the near post. That was Asakawa's first goal since April, and by half-time he'd come up with another, Nozue this time feeding a teammate Ryo Shiohama an ill-judged pass. The loose ball coming to Asakawa, who reacted instantly to chip from 30 yards, keeper Kaito Yamamoto. Fukushima had a chance to get back into the game early in the second half when Kazuki Dohana got in a header from Uheiji Uehata's corner, which brought a good save out of Arnau. But just before the hour, it was effectively game over. Nozue stood off his man as Nishida headed down the narrow right before taking the invitation to hammer it into the roof of the net for 3-0. The away side added two more in the closing stages, Shunsuke Mori getting the better of Hiroshi Omori on the visitors' left and crossing for Kensei Nekashima to bullet in a header at the far post before Ryotaro Hiramatsu converted a low ball in by So Kataoka. Final score, Fukushima nil, Nara 5. Fukushima's search for a home goal continues. They were torn apart here but remain 18th. A first win in seven for Nara, and they climb back up to eighth. Down at the foot of the table, things are not looking good for Kazuyuki Toda and his SC Sagamihara team. At home to Vanrare Hachinohe, they were heading for a nil-nil draw, but in the 89th minute, Kazuya Niwa got round the back of the host's defence. Neither Ko Watahiki or Kazuaki Saso could cut out his cross, leaving Daisuke Inazumi to head in at the far post. Final score, Sagami had a nil, Hachinohe won. The response from Toda's players to conceding a decisive goal so late in the game, striking indeed, one of apparent resignation. Sagamihara stay bottom, and as things stand, it doesn't look like they believe they can get out of it. The win for Van Rade sees them move back up to ninth. Down at Gainare Totori, Kohei Masamoto was overseeing his second game in temporary charge, the visitors being FC Osaka. Not exactly overflowing with quality this one, although supporters were treated to a dramatic ending to the game. All the action was in the second half, Daigo Furukawa giving Osaka a 52nd minute lead, poking the loose ball over the line after homekeeper Kaito Ioka had fumbled Shunsuke Tachino's header following a corner. 
The lead lasted only four minutes, Totori drawing level thanks to another badly defended corner kick, floated in by Hiroto Sese, headed by Taku Ushinohama in a generally goalwards direction, where keeper Tatsunari Nagai and teammate Takumi Shimada got in each other's way, allowing the ball to drift over the line. Despite not offering much of an attacking threat, Masamoto's Gainari stole the lead on 87 minutes, Ryosuke Tamana's tentative ball into the box, somehow bouncing inside the far post untouched. Up until this game, I might have said Osaka's Nagai had a claim for being a J3 Keeper of the Year so far. Now, I'm not so sure. But Nagai's team salvaged a point five minutes into injury time, Tachino launching a high free kick into the box, Shusuke Sakamoto heading it on, Takahiro Kitsui volleying it in off the underside of the bar with a sensational piece of skill. Final score, Totori 2, Osaka 2, a step down for Gainane from last week's win at Kagoshima, and they slip one place in the table to 16th. Osaka are unbeaten in five and now sit 10th. Tekubajano Miyazaki against YSCC Yokohama also ended in a hard-fought draw. Recent loan signing from FC Machida Zelvia Daiki Sato giving YSCC the lead on 57 minutes with a 20-yard shot that seemed to slip through the fingers of Kokoro Aoki. Tegevajaro drew level 11 minutes later, a goal right up there with Kitsui's for Osaka. Yuta Shimozawa setting himself and then curling an unstoppable shot into the top corner. As per the Matsumoto game, in injury time there was a red card shown to someone on the coaching staff. Here, YSCC's Kohei Sakai, who presumably won't be brandishing a clipboard at next week's game as a consequence. Final score, Miyazaki 1, YSCC 1. Both teams have become tough opponents over the course of the season. A side like Nagano could learn much from them at present. Tegavajano are 11th, YSCC 14th. Then on Sunday the 2nd, the division's form side FC Gifu were held at home by Iwate Guruja Morioka. A dominant performance by Gifu, but they couldn't make the breakthrough. Charles Unduka's shot deflected against the post was the nearest Yusaku Ueno's team came to scoring. The paper cranes almost nicked it in the closing stages when Sotakiri fired across the face of goal and Tsuyoshi Miyaichi just failed to make contact from a yard out. Final score, Gifu nil, Iwate nil. On another day, the home side could have won comfortably, but the dropped points mean they drop two places in the table to seventh. Guruja lived dangerously, but there are signs they may be starting to piece themselves together. They stay 12th. For those who enjoy teams that can't defend corners, this week in J3 has been a feast for the eyes, and we finish off with more of the same between Kamatamari Sanuki and FC Ryukyu. It was the visitors who were first to mess things up here, no one challenging Takumi Komatsu's header or Himan Morimoto as he controlled it, swivelled and hammered in the half volley, a first J-League goal for the 26-year-old. 
That was on the half hour and Kamatamani were living dangerously only four minutes later when defender Kei Munechika first deflected across onto his own post and then in the follow-up flattened Mu Kanazaki. No penalty. With two minutes to go before the break, though, Sanuki buckled. No one challenging Kanazaki as he chested down a corner and sent in a shot. This was blocked on the line by Morimoto, but the rebound struck Ryukyu's Takahiro Yanagi and bounced back over the line for 1-1. And in first half stoppage time, the visitors got another corner. Takuma Abe won a free header at the far post. Takeyuki Takayasu lashed it in from six yards. Midway through the second half, Komatsu brought down Haruto Shidai in extraordinarily clumsy fashion, this time to give Ryukyu a penalty. But Yusuke Imamura saved Kanazaki's spot kick. At the other end, Danny Carvajal produced a superb save from a Kaima Akahoshi header to preserve his team's advantage. Final score, Sanaki 1, Ryukyu 2. As with last week, a brave effort by Kamatamari, but the defensive quality just isn't there. They gave a debut in this match to a new loanee from Machida, left-back Soichiro Fukaminato, but for the time being remain 17th. Ryukyu's first win since Tetsuhiro Kina's permanent appointment places them 15th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 16. The top six are Toyama with 30 points, Ehime with 29, Kagoshima 28, Imabari and Numazu 26, Matsumoto 25. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Ryukyu with 20 points, Totori with 19, Sanuki 16, Fukushima 15, Hidakyushu 11, and bottom of the table with 10, Sagamihara. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 17 fixtures this weekend when there are six games on Saturday the 8th. Fourth against fifth is the day's big match. That's Imabari against Numazu. Sixth placed Matsumoto make the trip to Ryukyu. They're all big games at the moment for Nagano who go to Hachinohe. Miyazaki are at home to Totori. Iwate play host to Kitakyushu. And YSCC meet Sanaki. Then on Sunday the 9th, the top two meet at Ehime, where the visitors are Toyama. Can Kagoshima pick up three points at home to Fukushima? Gifu make the trip to Nana. And finally, Osaka are at home to bottom side Sagamihara. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.